This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. A very good afternoon to you. Wonderful to be with you this afternoon here, coming to you live from the studios in Johannesburg of Chai FM. And this is Judaism 101.9. It is 10 past 2 on this Wednesday afternoon. And oh, thank you, Craig. Uh, wasn't speaking directly into the mic there. Okay, so in case you didn't hear, today is uh, Wednesday. It is 10 past 2, Judaism 101.9. Thank you for being with us this afternoon. Great to be in your company, and hopefully we can share some thoughts about some of the basics of Judaism, perhaps learn a little bit together, perhaps understand a little bit of the things of Yiddishkeit, of Judaism, of Torah, of Mitzvot, just that little better. And, of course, um, <laughs> starting on a very, very basic kind of a level, because that's what Judaism 101.9 is really all about. What we spoke about last week, if you remember correctly, and even if you didn't, I'll remind you, um, we spoke about light. We spoke about the fact that this is the month of light, the idea of light that perhaps was created on the very first day, stored away, put away, and how we're getting ever closer to the revelation of the ultimate light when Mashiach will come, when the whole world will be illuminated, will be lit up in the light of Torah, in the light of mitzvot, and the light of goodness, of kindness, of all these wonderful things that we think about, that we dream about, that we pray for. But what happens um, in the interim is at various stages of Jewish life, we light candles. Have you ever thought about how often it is that candles are lit? Ever thought about how the fact is that Shabbat is brought in with the lighting of candles, as is every Yom Tov brought in with the lighting of candles? Ever thought about the fact that when we want to commemorate a special occasion um, of a yard site, we light a candle? Ever thought about the fact that on Hanukkah, we light candles? And of course, that was where we dwelt last week, thinking about the really, really um, current theme of this month of Kislev being the festival of lights that occurs at the end, towards the end of um, this beautiful month of Kislev and um, the idea of the light that it heralds and the light that it brings and uh, lighting up the night and all these wonderful things that the menorah did in the temple and that the menorah has to continue to do today as we light it each night of Hanukkah. And there is one more dimension of light that I would like to dwell on today because I think that it has a tremendous relevance. Um, If we're thinking, talking about light, we cannot um, go without reminding ourselves of the end of Shabbat. At the end of Shabbat, we also light a candle and we also celebrate that light and we also have a beautiful ceremony called Havdalah, Havdalah. If we think about the concepts of this beautiful ceremony, I think that it's going to give us a tremendous amount of insight into why it actually is that we do what we do when Shabbat ends, that we go through this ceremony, and why it actually is that it is celebrated in the way that it is with some very, very interesting and different um, means um, other than the ones that we are often used to. For instance, we know that uh, Havdalah is said over a cup of wine. Well, we use a cup of wine for Kiddush. We have it at the Pesach Seder. We use it um, at almost every um, significant Jewish ceremony. A cup of wine is used under a chuppah. A cup of wine 
is used as at, at a Brit Miller, the Bris uh, ceremony. So the idea of using a cup of wine is not that unusual. But the idea of using spices and smelling them, the idea of using a candle and gazing at its light and utilizing it in a most unusual fashion of looking at our fingers or looking at our fingernails, uh, to be more exact, um, is somewhat unusual, a little bit different um, from all the other uh, Jewish ceremonies. And so what is this Havdalah ceremony all about? Well, as Shabbat ends, and of course that needs to be after we have already prayed the evening service, after we have davened Myriv on a Saturday night, we say Havdalah. By the way, Havdalah is said at the end of a Yom Tov as well, but um, we don't always use a candle. Candle belongs specifically to Shabbat. And when Shabbat ends, we then go through the ceremony where we take the three um, items that um, I have mentioned already, a cup of wine, a bowl or a container or a bag of spices, um, and we take a plated candle or a candle that has more than one wick, and we put them together for this beautiful ceremony. So what is the ceremony all about? Let's talk about that first, then we'll get to the practicalities, and then we'll talk about the meaning of each one of those practicalities as well. The Havdalah ceremony. Havdalah, la Havdil, means to differentiate. It is a differentiation ceremony. We're showing a difference. We're showing the marked difference between Shabbat and the rest of the week. And as Shabbat terminates, we go through all kinds of feelings of um, all sorts of emotions, I guess, as Shabbat ends. I don't know about you, but um, the end of Shabbat for many people, um, including myself, brings about a feeling of a little bit of a disappointment, an anticlimax. It's a little bit sad. Shabbat is now over. We have to go headlong into the week and um, work awaits and uh, business awaits and all the things that we had postponed last week and said, well, let me just get through this week and get them done. We're now hanging there, um, needing to be attended to, needing to be done. We have um, spent 25 or 26 hours cut off literally from all the machinery that makes our world the difficult place that it has become for us to live in. Um, all our uh, cell phones have been off, our emails have been off, our television sets have been off, um, our access to information has been off, and we have had the wonderful opportunity for the last 26 hours as we come to the end of Shabbat to um, dwell on much more important things in life, such as life itself, such as our family, such as our children, our spouses, um, our own souls, um, and we have had the beautiful opportunity to celebrate God's gift to the Jewish people, Shabbat itself. And as Shabbat ends, we now need to confront the uh, everything that lies ahead. We need to confront this week. And there is a very real sense of uh, disappointment. There's a very real sense of sadness, a little bit melancholy, um, perhaps even somewhat depressing that Shabbat is now over um, for yet another week. It is a difficult moment. And at that moment, there is a certain amount of comfort that we need to take. And what comfort do we need to take? Well, we need to take the comfort of the fact that Shabbat actually blesses the entire week, that Shabbat travels with us throughout the week, that at that moment that we make the 
cutoff between Shabbat and the rest of the week as we do the Havdalah ceremony, we're actually imbibing, we are actually in enthusing ourselves with all the dimensions of Shabbat as we have had it during the last 26 hours, and we want to transport all of those things into the coming week. We want them to live with us. We want them to be with us. And so we take them with us through this beautiful ceremony called Havdalah. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. Okay, so we're talking about light, and we're talking about the specific light that is provided at the end of Shabbat. We're talking about Havdalah. So what is Havdalah all about? Well, we go through a ceremony, really, where we talk about um, the difference, differentiation. What do we differentiate between? Well, we differentiate between holy and non-holy. Or holy and people sometimes call it mundane, holy and simple. What is the difference? Well, there are some things that are what we call whole. They are regarded like sand. They're simple, sandy. Then there are the things that are the diamonds, the special things, and we call them holy. But there is much more to it than that because the concept of holiness from a Jewish point of view the idea of Kodesh in and of itself is the idea of being apart, of being separate, of being different. And we celebrate this difference, especially in light of the fact that we as Jews are meant to be the Amkadosh, the holy nation, the holy people. We're meant to be God's special diamonds. And that doesn't mean that we have a holier-than-thou attitude or a superiority complex, but rather the fact that we have a mission, which is to make the world a much holier place. Our job is to change this world from being something that is simply mundane, that is simple, that is sand, and turn it into the richest diamonds. And everything and anything that God created can become that way. We can turn the whole world around. And the concept of Shabbat is that if you think about it, well, it is just another day of the week, really. It's a 24, 25, 26-hour period of time um, that is between sunset and stars coming out of every Friday to every uh, Saturday night. And um, it could be just like any other. Why is it that it is separated out for special treatment? Well, God did that by declaring that Shabbat was this day of what we call rest. It is not rest as in we lie down and go to sleep. But rather rest in that we rest from all the rest. We rest from everything else that is going on in our lives. And we take this break. It is this island in time, this special moment, this diamond, this thing of Kedusha, of holiness. And we, the Jewish people, are that way as well. And so what we celebrate and what we think about in the Havdalah ceremony is that we are pointing out the Havdalah, the separation, the differentiation, the difference between holy and regular between the Jewish people and everybody else. And then we're also thinking about Shabbat and Chol, Shabbat and weekdays. We're talking about all of these things really in the same light. And what do we do it to? We do it by the light of the Havdalah candle, Hamavdil. We say, God, you're the one who actually made these differences. You're the one who separated these things out because that is the structure of the way that you, God, set up your world. This is the way that you wanted it to run. You want your world and you created your world to run in such a fashion whereby 
there were mundane, simple, um, regular things that need to be elevated, that need to be made holy. We as the Jewish people were given the gift of making them holy, and one of those things that we make holy is time. We make the time called Shabbat, the day called Shabbat. We make that holy, and we as Jewish people go out of our way to do that. In fact, Shabbat in and of itself may not be um, the uh, only a uh, from God to us kind of a, a holiness and a gift, but it's from us to God as well. We sanctify the Shabbat, and that's why we make Kiddush. We sanctify uh, the meals. We sanctify it by our prayers. We do something special to make it holy, and in that we are significantly changing not only the time itself, but we're significantly changing, of course, our attitudes towards that time and the attitudes of all those people around us. And so we make things holy, and we have made Shabbat holy, and we have made um, the um, the whole day, the time holy. We've made it special. We've made it holy. God, of course, gave it this ability to be made holy and to be holy um, even if we did very little from our own part, but he wants to see our response and our making it holy. And so we say, God, Hamavdil ben Kodesh Lechol ben Or Lechoshech, you also separated God, we, we say, uh, between light and darkness, similar to the concepts that we spoke about last week. There is darkness and there is light. God is the one who made that difference. We cannot really do that much to change the trajectory of the sun or the moon or the stars, but we can create light. Um, where it is dark. And the light that we create, of course, is the candles that we light. And the light that we create is the mitzvot and the Torah that we bring into the world, the goodness, the kindness, the uh, wonderful things that we do in otherwise dark places that is called the light that we create. And so we differentiate between um, ourselves and the nations of the world, between Shabbat and the other days of the week, between light and darkness, and between Kodesh and Chol, between holiness and things that are mundane or things that are regular, things that are simple, unholified, if you wish. And so this is the ceremony. At the end of Shabbat, we declare, God, you're the one who did all of this. And now we're going to kind of make sure that we touch all our senses. Have you ever thought about the fact that at the time of making Havdalah, and the Havdalah ceremony per se, we're actually touching each one of our senses. We're engaging all the five senses. You know, there's a very beautiful uh, comment on um, a time when Abraham, Abraham Avinu, has his name changed. His name is changed. We know, we read about it a few weeks ago in the Torah. His name is changed from be- being Avram to Avraham. Changed from Avram, meaning the Av of Aram, the father of Aram, or Avram, the exalted special father. His name is changed to Avraham, and the Torah tells us that now God says, I'm going to call you Avraham because Avhamon Goyim Netaticha, I've made you the father of a multitude of nations. And somehow there seem to be too many letters or too many. Um, uh, letters in the name Avraham for the acrostic to actually work. There's an extra resh there and so on. And so it's questioned by many of our sages as to why God changed his name in this fashion. 
One of the reasons is that if we take all the letters of the name Avraham, we get to the number 248 if we add it up numerically. And therefore, it was at this stage that Avraham Avinu, Abraham, um, was actually, he had mastered all 248 limbs of his body, all 248 moving parts, so to speak, of his human body, as well as the fact that he had mastered all the positive commandments, having just given himself a bris. But what was the idea of adding the letter hey? The letter hey, some tell us, represents the five senses. The five senses being, and we all know them, we learn them in early on in uh, our schooling career, um, the sense of smell, the sense of touch, the sense of, um, of, of, of sight, the sense of sound, the sense of taste. We have these five senses without which we would have great difficulty in interacting with the world properly. And so these five senses um, are sensitized um, to all the things that are around them, and they give us our ability to interact with everything that is around us, to be able to see, to be able to hear, um, to be able to taste, to be able to touch, to feel. All of these things are of paramount importance for our own well-being and for our own survival as a human being. When we think about Avraham, his name was changed, and the letter Hay was added to his name, and we're told that it was at that stage that Avraham was given the gift of the five senses, not that he didn't have them before, but he was given mastery over them. We don't actually have complete control of all our five senses. Our five senses sometimes are beyond our control. And what I mean is that we could not really look at something and not see it. Um, the eyes are wired that way, that they record, so to speak, everything that they see. The only way we could do that, of course, is by putting something in front of our eyes or closing our eyes. But the eye itself, if it's looking at something, we can't tell it, don't see what we are looking at. So, too, we can't block out our ears and say, don't listen, don't hear that sound. Of course, extraneously, we could put something in there. We could put a hand over an ear. But in and of itself, we cannot instruct the ear not to hear something. We cannot instruct our fingers not to feel the pain uh, that they would feel if you put them onto a hot plate or if you touch something that was burning. And so, too, with the sense of taste, you can't put something that is spicy on your tongue and expect to be able to send a message to your tongue and say, okay, just ignore it. Don't taste it. Um, and so we don't actually have control of those senses. We're told that righteous people do get control of those senses. And Abraham Avinu was given the control of his five senses at that stage. Complete and absolute control, which is only a gift that is given to the righteous, to the tzaddikim. And therefore, at that moment, Abraham deserved the letter Hey, the five senses, to be added to his name. When we think about the five senses in terms of Shabbat, well, they have been sensitized and they have been utilized and they have been used in a completely, completely different way. These senses, these senses are um, used in a Shabbat environment. Can anybody um, experience Shabbat without smelling the fragrances of challah and uh, the Kiddush on Friday night and the chicken soup and so on? There are certain fragrances. Can anybody um, deny the fact that there are certain sounds of Shabbat, a peace, a serenity, a quietness, the sounds of singing, the sounds of zmirot and so on? Can anybody deny the tastes that we taste, the delectable delights that we eat on Shabbat and that we drink on Shabbat? Can anybody deny the uh, beautiful sights, the beautiful sights of 
people being together, of families smiling, of uh, a great um, tranquility that transcends on Shabbat and all the wonderful things that happen in that realm. And so on and so forth. Well, we are completely energized in our five senses and they're completely different on Shabbat. Now comes the end of Shabbat. We want to sensitize them with a little bit more of those fragrances, of those tastes, of those sights, of those sounds. We want to energize them with that to transport that forward into the week. And this, in fact, if we think about it, is one of the underlying um, underscores of the whole story of Havdalah. As we make Havdalah, we are sensitizing all of the five senses. If you think about it, we touch, we pick up the candle, the spices, and so on. We see, we look at the fire, we look at the flame. We taste, we taste the wine. We listen, we listen to the words. Um, and we feel, we feel the environment. We've got all of the different senses that are involved in this um, beautiful, beautiful ceremony called Havdalah. And what we're perhaps also saying is that these are our primary contact areas that we need to be aware of during the week. And we need to know that we need to listen to the right things during the week. And we need to look at correct things during the week, just like we did on Shabbat. And we need to make sure that we feel um, and taste and so on. All of these things need to be transported into the week ahead. And the Havdalah ceremony is a very, very powerful statement of all of that. God, in the same way as you made all of these differences, we are looking, we're feeling, we're touching, we're tasting. We're hearing all of the differences that we experienced over this period of time, and we're carrying it forth into um, the coming week. So what do we actually do? What is the practice of Havdalah? Well, we say the paragraph of um, uh, that we just mentioned, where we praise God for having made the difference between um, um, uh, holy and mundane, between um, us and the nations of the world, between light and darkness, between Shabbat and the days of the week. And we then go on to um, speak about a praise of the Jewish people. And we talk about and we say a quote that comes from uh, the Megillah, actually, from the Purim Megillah, where we say, La Yehudim Hayata Ora Vesimcha Vesason Viekar, that the Jews had, La Yehudim Hayata, the Jews had Ora Vesimcha. They had light and they had joy. They had Sason, great merrymaking, great joy, Viekar, an endearment. And um, if we study this a little bit more carefully, we actually can see um, that these were the real realms that Haman, Harasha, Haman the Wicked, the um, quintessential anti-Semite, he was the one who pinpointed these areas as being the areas in which he um, abhorred what the Jewish people were doing. What did he abhor? What did he hate so much? What was so um, difficult for him to digest? was the fact that the Jewish people, we're told, had Ora. They had Torah, Torah itself, that they were learning a um, way of life, manuscripts, teachings, a constitution that was different from everybody else. Simcha, that they had different festivals, that they had Sason, that they celebrated the Brit Milah and Yikar, 
that they put on tefillin, that they had signs that were different from everybody else. We're told that at the end of the Megillah, the Jewish people were restored to their full strength. We got all of these things back. We had Ora, Simcha, Sason, and Yikar. We had all the signs of what it meant to be Jewish. We had our Torah back. We had our ability to study it back. We had all of these wonderful things back. And we're accentuating the difference between the Jewish people and everybody else with that very, very powerful statement. Be back with you right after this. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. We've been speaking about the light of uh, the end of Shabbat. We've been speaking about Havdalah and the ceremony that we do at the end of Shabbat and what it is actually all about. And um, so what we do during the ceremony is we make a blessing over a cup of wine once we have said all those verses. We then also make a blessing over spices. Now, why spices? Spices are fragrant. Well, we want to remind ourselves and sensitize our sense of smell, the fragrances of Shabbat and the fragrances um, of uh, holiness are so special and so beautiful. In fact, we're told that um, the sense of smell is the one that is really the closest to the soul, so to speak. It is something that is a manifestation of the neshama, of the soul, much more than touch or sound or sight and so on. And therefore, as this is closer to us, we think about the um, aromatic importance of um, things that were offered, for instance, in the temple, the aromas um, of holiness that were so special, how they needed to be smelt, how they needed to touch the neshama, how they needed to touch the soul uh, through those fragrances. We also think about the idea of how certain strong fragrances or certain fragrances per se can um, invigorate one. Um, you know, the old idea of smelling salts or smelling some perfumes and so on, and how at a time when one is feeling flat, you're feeling a little bit low, how it re-energizes you, how it lifts you up. This is perhaps the idea of why we smell besamim, we smell these spices at the end of uh, Shabbat in order to sensitize our souls, in order to sensitize our sense of smell for the coming week. And we finally then look at a candle. And we do this in a peculiar way. The candle needs to be something that is more than one wick. It is Moore Haesh. We're talking about the lights of the fire. And um, we're told a very, very fascinating story about what happened on the first Shabbat in the world. The first Shabbat that was ever um, kept was the Shabbat that was kept by Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Remember, they were created on a Friday afternoon. Remember that by the time the Shabbat came in, they um, did not um, yet, they, they, by the time Shabbat came in, they had already sinned. They were already, um, unfortunately, um, in uh, that frame of mind. Yet, it did not get dark for the duration of Shabbat. Um, we're told, and the first time that it became dark was actually on Saturday night. At the end of Shabbat, darkness for the very first time descended on the world. And it was at that time that Adam became afraid. And somehow he found two flintstones and he struck them together and for the very first time he created fire. And similarly on a Saturday night, we too, as it becomes dark, as darkness descends on the world, we too, like Adam, create fire. Now here too we're told and there is 
a number of different there are a number of different opinions on this, but that Adam originally was covered in um, scales and like nails all over his body um, when he was then deemed to have to wear clothing because of uh, the sin um, of eating from the forbidden fruit. Um, those scales disappeared and they remained only on the fingertips and on the ends of our toes. And so therefore, um, we, in recognition of that, we um, acknowledge the creation of fire um, that um, Hashem helped us to create. And we acknowledge also the fact that the nails, we look at our fingernails, we hold them up to the lights, acknowledging that this was a manifestation, this was something from Odomarishan, from Adam in the Garden of Eden, acknowledging the advent of the first Shabbat and recognizing that all our Shabbats thereafter should mimic this, should be the same. And similarly, as we take Shabbat out, we light fire in order to light up the darkness. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. Now, not only do we hold up our fingers um, because of Adam, um, but there is a much more practical reason as to why we put our fingers in front of the flames. And that is that we want to ensure that the flames are utilized for the right purpose. We've got to remember that fire per se can be extremely, extremely dangerous. When used incorrectly, fire can be the most destructive force on earth. It can be to, uh, to, to, the, to the detriment of ourselves and, to, and of all mankind. We're not controlled and we're not used correctly. And so it is actually, if we think about it, with uh, wine as well. Um, wine utilized at all Jewish ceremonies, um, wine can be totally abused, but when used correctly, this makes it Kodesh, this makes it holy. So too with the flame, with the candle, we're utilizing it correctly. So we're saying, what are we using it? We're using it for a purpose of um, looking at our own fingers, of looking at our fingernails, of recognizing the uh, godliness in creation, of recognizing God's creation of the world per se, and recognizing that fire can be utilized for the most destructive purposes, or fire can be utilized for the most beautiful, the most powerful um, of all things. Fire can be used for warmth, and fire can be used for light. And it is those thoughts that we have as we make Havdalah every Saturday night, that we're supposed to focus on how to sensitize ourselves, our souls, our five senses, how to transport all the messages of Shabbat into the coming week, how to recognize that there may be so many things that could be most destructive, that could be um, terrible for the world, but if we utilize them correctly, we can turn them into things of holiness, the forces of evil out there, the forces of um, of um, negativity out there. Um, only come about because everything else is allowed to run rampant and everything is allowed to get away from us if we were only able to put our uh, controls, our disciplines, and all of our um, efforts and energies into making sure that everything that we have at our at our fingertips that we have in our possession is utilized for good purposes is utilized to create life rather than god forbid the opposite is utilized to create love then then hate is utilized rather to create light rather than darkness then we've uh, called it all right and then we know what it means to actually be jewish what it means to be uh, kodesh what it means to be holy and what shabbat is as an advantage over 
chol over the mere mundane, the mere usual, and so on. So please God, um, on this Shabbat, as on all others, as Shabbat comes out, we too will make Havdalah, thinking about all of these things and how the real object of it all is uh, ultimately to create and add to the beautiful light that we know exists within this month. All special dates within this month have to do with light and they have to do with the creation of light, the revelation of light. We'll speak a little bit more about that next week, same time, same place. Hope to see you then, hope to hear from you then and hope to be with you then um, on this Judaism 101.9. See you then.